It's January 2014, three years after Samsung had started a war on Apple with the release of the S3. J.K. Shin, the head of Samsung's mobile unit, was at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, in Las Vegas. Shin held up the new Galaxy Note 3, the flagship product of Samsung. Galaxy Note has the largest screen yet, but more importantly, it's a true notepad running on our in-house magazine UX. The interface was built on top of the Android operating system by adding custom features and design elements on top of it. Samsung's intention was to provide users a more visually appealing and intuitive experience compared to the standard Android UI. For the first time, we have given Galaxy Note 3 a warm, textured touch back cover. It is much slimmer, lighter, and more powerful. At least that was what Samsung intended publicly. As tech reviewers and business professionals came to review the interface, it was commonly agreed that the magazine-style layout felt more familiar, and Bloomberg Businessweek gave a favorable review. But back at Mountain View, California, Google executives were furious. Show me the interface again, Sundar Pichai probably said, as a Google employee ran through the magazine UX demo once again. This doesn't make any sense. Why is it so hard to find our app store? It used to be front and center. In the present day, Sundar Pichai is the CEO of Google. But back then, he was Google's Android chief. In the meeting room, some Google executives were losing their cool. If this is how Samsung wants to play it, we'll walk away from them. It was commonly assumed that Samsung and Google had an implicit agreement to further the Android ecosystem. To do so successfully, Google would work on progressing the software, and Samsung will provide cutting-edge hardware. In 2014, it was the one-two punch needed, as Apple had close to the sum of both Samsung and Google's market capitalization combined. But at CES, it seemed that Samsung had broken this agreement, and now Google had to respond. Back in Samsung's office, J.K. Shin's new Note 3 was buzzing. Who's this? J.K., it's Sundar. We need to talk. From 1UP Media, this is Empires. Episode 5 of a five-part series, A Cosmic War, Part 2. smartphone wars tonight, there is a new phone about to hit the market and many believe it could be the iPhone's toughest competition yet. The day Samsung released Magazine UX, it sparked a rift within the Android community. A rift that both Samsung and Google could not afford. But to Samsung, it was a necessary step to exert control and to solidify its place within the Android smartphone industry. Over the last few years, 
Samsung has evolved rapidly. It made strides in the consumer electronics market by securing distribution of its handphone with almost every American mobile carrier. It had also defeated Sony by a combination of streamlined marketing and the release of the Bordeaux TV in 2006, which secured its place as the number one manufacturer of LCD TVs till today. But its greatest battle had yet to come, nor has it ended yet. By the mid-2000s, electronic components had become more powerful, yet smaller. Touchscreens have become more sensitive and cheap, while coding has become a democratized skill which allowed countless of applications to be made. All these would converge to birth the first iPhone in 2007 and ignite the smartphone wars. It's 2010, and Samsung has declared a management crisis. Initially, the Samsung man laughed at the iPhone because Samsung had distributed itself all across America through telecom partnerships. But just in case, they created their own version of the smartphone, the Galaxy S, named surprisingly after a type of wine and not outer space, specifically the Terlato family's Galaxy Red blend wine. The Galaxy phone had four variations, meant for four different telecom publishers, which naturally became a mess. But even then, they felt confident. They had timed their release close to the iPhone 4 in June 2010 and had expected to maintain a strong defense. But just three months after the iPhone release, their handphone sales plummeted so low that it was expected to fall by half. The Samsung man might have wiped the smile off their face. And yet, Apple was not done. Steve Jobs had observed the Galaxy's construction and sent his team of lawyers working. They then filed a lawsuit against Samsung for patent infringement. As a short-term measure, Samsung decided to counter-sue in April 2011, while Dale Sohn was instructed to begin a strategy against Apple. Son Hyu Dong, or Dale, was a Korean who joined Samsung in the 1980s and very quickly was sent to America to figure things out. Dale was considered very forward in his time. Instead of relying on fellow Koreans, he found Todd Pendleton, a marketer with 15 years of experience in Nike. Todd was instrumental in negotiating marketing partnerships with basketball players, including LeBron James and the late Kobe Bryant. Together, Dale would prevent Samsung upper management from interfering with Todd's decisions and gave him relatively free reign to push the envelope. All of you are just Apple sheeps, an Android user scoffed. Between them were Todd's team trying to break the scuffle. Across the last few weeks, they have organized consumer immersion programs to understand the key differences between Android and Apple users. They had hoped to discover a goldmine, but instead these meetings were landmines of conflict. Each immersion would somehow lead to a fight between Apple users and Android. People who buy Apple just don't know what's good for them. The only reason why you think Apple is great is because you worship Steve. Tell me again, what's a good Android brand? Right? There isn't any. The constant bickering had Todd's team frustrated. At this rate, 
they weren't going to discover any insight. So they pulled the Android users out and asked them directly, why do you use Android? Oh, it's simple. We can customize it. Come, let me show you. The user proceeded to show a customization that seemed so uniquely his that it bordered on overkill. While he was boasting, the other users reflected a different customization which actually seemed quite similar to Apple. Todd's team started realizing something. They had it all wrong and rushed to Todd with a report. Todd, we got it. Android users think they are smarter than Apple users. This insight was pivotal. Originally, they thought that Android users love Android for customizability, but it was actually part of a broader identity. That Android users felt more thoughtful about how they use their devices, at least more than Apple users. On November 22, 2011, Samsung unveiled their new commercial, The Next Big Thing. It had a satirical scene of people queuing up for a phone, only to realize that the next big thing is already here, a Samsung 2. The campaign was a success, and by the third quarter of 2011, Samsung was shipping more phones than Apple. It was so successful that the campaign remained largely the same for Samsung 3, which again resonated deeply with Android users. The S3, proceeded to sell 9 million pre-ordered units and another 40 million units within the first six months. That year, it also won the Best Smartphone of the Year award, beating the iPhone. Samsung's S3 had been the turnaround Android story. Prior to its launch, Samsung's share in the market was approximately 19%. However, with the introduction of the S3 and a whole suite of lower-tier smartphone options, Samsung's market share increased twofold, reaching 40%. But the war on Apple is hardly over. Behind closed doors, the legal battle on IP has turned into a global battle spanning multiple countries. Across the world, both Apple and Samsung had sued, then countersued, for various infringements. On 24th of August, 2012, the United States concluded that Samsung did indeed infringe on Apple IP and awarded compensation of $600 million to Apple. A painful fine that was sure to hit their bottom line if not for Samsung winning some of their legal battles in the UK, Japan, and South Korea. With both sides bruised but undeterred, it was clear that the legal war would continue while the war on smartphones rages on. It's the start of 2013, and the Samsung men were getting worried. Trained well by Chairman Lee to be in a constant state of paranoia, their greatest fears seemed realized when the S4 commercials were badly received. It was the first time that they stopped mocking Apple, and instead infused a little Korean humor to mix. The result? Insensitivity. But the S4 still opened with strong sales which reaffirmed Todd, the CMO of Samsung America, that Samsung's smartphone consumers are rational buyers. It was, after all, the logical decision to buy. But Todd, 
who came from a 15 years Nike background, knew that the larger part of sales should come from the emotional aspect, something that Samsung is lagging behind. To win the bigger pie of sales, he had to make customization and thoughtfulness seem cool, which began an insidious ploy that would eventually make its way to the Oscars. Charlie Collier, the president of AMC Network, responsible for hits like Breaking Bad, was hard at work. Charlie is sometimes joked as the busiest man in entertainment. The White Glove team is here to see you. His secretary phoned over. Let them in. Hi, Charlie. A bright man greeted him. I know your time is precious, so let's get you set up immediately. The man then proceeded to put two Samsung boxes on his table, opened them up to reveal a brand new Samsung S4 and a Samsung Note. If you're busy and want to do more work on your phone, then the Samsung Note is better. But if you like an all-in-one phone that can work yet feel slick, you'll want the S4. Give me the S4. The white glove man flicked the switch and already it was fully charged. It even had the same carrier that Charlie had preloaded. All it needed was to set his handphone number. Charlie, this phone is already set for you, but let me show you some simple tricks to get the most from it. He showed its shortcut swipe features, one tap button, then showed how to remove and insert a new battery. Charlie was impressed. Okay. But what if I need more help when you're gone? The white glove man smiled, then handed him a card. Here is a dedicated number, only for you. We work seven days a week, and we never fall sick. That day, Samsung successfully converted Charlie Collier, the president of AMC Network, from an Apple to an Android user through a covert team called the White Gloves. They were Samsung's guerrilla marketing tactic that would approach celebrities just to give them a new Samsung phone fully customized for them. Initially, Todd had set the team to poach NBA stars through his old contacts including LeBron James. But over time, the team were invited into Hollywood parties giving free smartphones and a dedicated customer service line tailored for each celebrity, even Jay-Z. With enough celebrities in place, all Samsung needed was a triggering event that would make everyone share about their phones. The 2014 Oscars was hosted by Ellen DeGeneres, who was known for bouts of unscripted content. But luckily, Samsung had sponsored the Oscars for the last four years, which gave it some leverage to enforce structure. And Ellen agreed that the Samsung phone would be used for a selfie. But things were about to get complicated, because much of the word of mouth was generated backstage and not by the celebrity, but by their social media managers. So Samsung sent in their entire crew of white glove staff to train as many people as they could backstage, while providing two dedicated Samsung S4s for Ellen. Don't be scared of me. The bills were racking up to be around 20 million on the hopes that Ellen's selfie would make it all worth it. No, lean, lean in. Channing, if you can get in also. Channing, Bradley, we can come. No, I want you in it. Jennifer, come in also. I'll take it. Brad, get in here. I'll take it. No, I'm doing it. it. Angie, Lupita. On 2nd of March 2014, Ellen DeGeneres' selfie 
which featured at least 10 A-listers, was seen by 37 million and was estimated to be worth 800 to 1 billion dollars. It also remains as the fifth most retweeted tweet of all time. Although the success was mildly stained by photos of Ellen on her iPhone, the Oscar selfie had supercharged Samsung's desirability amongst the rich and famous. Eventually, tabloids would dedicate articles tracking which celebrity is pro-Android in a world that had previously been owned by Apple. Over the last few years, high-resolution touchscreens, processors, and advanced cameras were becoming the norm which started to spell trouble for Samsung. Their state-of-the-art hardware was becoming less attractive. They also had interlocked themselves as the supplier of smartphone screens, memory chips, and batteries that they couldn't possibly stop supplying to their competition. For context, the component revenue earned from Apple was becoming as high as 40% more than Samsung's own flagship phones. As technology companies pivoted into the ecosystem strategy, Samsung increasingly felt that it had to do the same, which would break an implicit partnership between Samsung and Google. So began a secret crusade that started as far back as May 2012 with their purchase of M-Spot. M-Spot was a tool for audiophiles to upload their music libraries on an online locker which could then be downloaded anywhere they wanted. A pretty nifty tool in 2004, two years before Spotify was founded. Samsung's acquisition was part of its secret strategy to build a defensive ecosystem, which it could then use to bargain against existing software providers or Samsung-dedicated support. With Samsung's war chest, M-Spot was redeveloped into the app called Milk which featured a radio-like interface. It was simple and intuitive, even to the older demographic, but best of all had Jay-Z and Kanye West supporting its promotion. In March 2014, Milk was further promoted in the South by Southwest Music Festival, held in Austin, and within hours, over 70,000 downloads were recorded. Milk had now become a proper contender which attracted the attention of Google, who were well aware of the bigger picture at play. Samsung is intending to build its software in-house. But Google had also secretly planned their resistance against Samsung should they strike that culminated in the purchase of Motorola for $12.5 billion. With both parties well-equipped to begin an internal Android war, both Sundar Pichai and J.K. Shin decided to sit down in a series of high-level talks to iron out the differences. Ultimately, it was agreed that Samsung would reduce their push into software and Google to hardware, a move that brought peace temporarily. It's October 5th, 2016, and Samsung has maintained its top place as the largest smartphone manufacturer in the world. However, its growth was starting to slow down, largely because of a new contender, Huawei, that emerged from Shenzhen, China. They had made a name by selling smartphones that were value for money, both good and cheap enough to be attractive. 
While Samsung was slowing, Apple had relatively maintained its share by successfully launching the Apple Watch and soon to release the Apple wireless earbuds that would create an ecosystem for Apple users. Samsung, who was growing desperate, decided to release the Galaxy Note 7 at record speed to rave reviews, some even touting it as the best Android phone yet. It's no wonder Brian Greene, who had boarded the Southwest Flight 994, had felt great with his new Note 7 inside his pocket. Everyone on the airline had heard the strange popping sound, then realized that they were under attack. There was smoke in the air. Through the thick fumes, Brian was screaming before throwing the Note 7 on the floor. It wasn't a terrorist. It was the Note 7 which exploded. Now to a frightening headline about your smartphone. Samsung delaying shipments of its Galaxy Note 7 amid reports of exploding batteries and that announcement sending their stock. The Galaxy Note 7 is dead and Samsung is in a disastrous... The weeks that followed would have been Samsung's greatest PR disaster to date. Exploding Note 7s that proved the fast innovative company could have gone too fast. That year, all other smartphone manufacturers went harder on promotion, and even Google released their first Pixel smartphone, a clear affront to the agreement two years ago. But the smoke cleared quickly. In the next year, Samsung released the Galaxy S8 and Note 8 that was well-received, followed by subsequent models that often clinched the top smartphone or the best Android phone of its year. The smartphone wars were still ongoing, of which many agree it will never end, because the war is fast changing into a software battle that Samsung cannot ignore. For Apple, they had placed their bets on subscription services that now contribute close to 20% of their revenue. Just five years ago, it was half. For Google, it's more on the smart ecosystem with Android, as their non-advertising revenue had close to double in the last five years. But for Samsung, it's a bit more unique. Unlike Apple or Google, whose shareholders are diverse and obsessed about money, Samsung's shareholders, the Lee family, are few and prefer to leave a legacy. The Lee family is now in its third generation and headed by Jay Lee at age 54, an exciting time based on how the Lee family historically operates. His father before him, Lee Kun-hee, had conducted the Frankfurt declarations that took Samsung global when he was 51, while his grandfather before him, Lee B.C., had steered Samsung Sangho, a predominantly food production company, to become Samsung Electronics when he was 59. This means that Jay Lee is at the age that traditionally marks great change for Samsung. So far, it seemed that the webs of interpolitical collaboration had taken Jay to paths that he seemed to regret, eventually leading to impeachment of the then-president and jail term for Jay himself. But Jay would have one more shot as he was pardoned on August 23, 2022, by the Korean administration who, quote, in a bid to overcome the economic crisis by vitalizing the economy, as Jay walks out of prison and sits back on the chairmanship of Samsung, we wonder what legacy he will create in the next five years. What talks would he give? 
And how would he rewrite the message in Samsung Stars? From One Up Media, this is Empires, Episode Five of a five-part series, A Cosmic War, Part Two. In the next episode, we interview someone close to the industry to learn about Samsung's innovations and influence across Southeast Asia. And in our next series, we explore the e-wallet wars in the Philippines that birthed the first two unicorns in the country. Empires is a One Up Media original, produced and edited by Guangjin, audio experienced by Ethan Sam, and narrated by Peter Ng. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think, or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. Thank you for listening. <laughs>